G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. God doesn't make mistakes, so there's no point getting angry with him. Things happen because we're in a fallen world, but God gives you the strength. And so I I met a lady one day and she was telling me about how her granddaughter was in hospital. And I said, well, I can relate to that. I know about children in hospital. And she said, life sucks, doesn't it? And I said, no, it doesn't. I said, life's good, it's just hard. But I said, what you need to do is you've got to face up to the challenges each day brings and do it with the strength God gives. And both Jenny and I would say that we were given strength. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have the conclusion of our three-part series with Steve and Jenny Messer sharing their life journey with us. Steve was a teacher who eventually became a pastor, and all the while he was writing and performing non-commercial Christian music on the side. Jenny was mainly a homemaker while the children were young, and then eventually she trained to be a personal carer and worked in an aged care facility in Druin, Victoria, where they live. This training would prove to be invaluable as Jenny would eventually go on to be their daughter Sal's full-time carer. As we heard last time, Sal was diagnosed with a rare incurable neuromuscular condition and her health slowly deteriorated over several years. This meant long stays in hospital were common and Steve and Jenny were mostly living apart as Jenny stayed with Sal during the week. The goal became to bring Sal home so they could all be together again. But this would be quite a challenge because of all the extensive medical attention Sal would need. Now we'll find out what happened next as Steve and Jenny continue their chat with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. A big part of Sal's story was how the community rallied mm. behind her. Tell us about all of that. I mean, it Definitely. was quite inspiring. It, if, well, I was, had this conversation with a good friend, mm-hmm. Sally. Sally was an avid Sunday school teacher, mm-hmm. and there was this little girl, Emily, um, who became very, very attached to Sal all her life, really. Mm-hmm. She knew Sal, and they used to visit Sal in hospital and in rehab. And Chris and Emily came in one particular day to visit, and we were just chatting about home and what was going to happen. And I said to her, oh, I've got this plan with the house. I really you know, really wanted to come home. But I thought if I cut a wall through this room to go into her original room, then, you know, we could have an area for carers or staff or whatever and then Sal would have her room. Mm. And she just looked at me and she said, do you realise if you do that you'll only have one room for the rest of your family to come home? And I go, ah, yeah, that's true. Mm. And she's, then she started talking about what we could do. And I just said to her, well, if you think you can do that, do you want to see if you can be the project manager? And, and she did. She she was an amazing. Oh, wow. She she had so many connections mm-hmm. um, with people. She took on the project and we had, of course, we were well connected too in, in community and between Pakenham Baptists and Community Church. Warrigal. Warrigal. Mm-hmm. Chris put this together. So the whole idea 
was for her to come home. That's right. The well, whole idea I remember was for her Jenny to come one home. day at the hospital, because Jenny and I lived apart for virtually two and a half years mm. while she was looking after Sal, and I don't think Sal would have survived as long if it wasn't for Jenny doing that. We mm. decided that her life really wasn't a knife edge, and we decided that we wanted one of us to be there when she died, and we just never knew when that was going to be. So it was more convenient that Jenny be by her bedside mm. every day, and I'd go on my days off and give Jenny mm. a bit of time out. But I rang her one day and I said, well, how, how long is she going to be there? Because it just kept on being discharge dates that didn't happen and she'd, mm. there'd be some crisis or there'd be some setback. And, and Jenny said to me one day, she's actually pretty good at the moment. There's nothing they're doing for her here that we couldn't do at home if we had the right setup. Now, mm. I couldn't imagine that because mm. she was she was in a high dependency unit, yeah, uh, a four-bed high dependency unit with all these machines. And Jenny said, if we get the funding, if we get the gear, we can do this at home. And so Jenny really did believe that. And she'd picked up incredible skills. She'd been trained and by watching the nurses. She actually acquired skills really she was she went beyond being a carer. She was actually mm. operating like a nurse. Mm. And plus being a mum. And so that there was this intuition, I suppose. But mm. um but Chris orchestrated this incredible volunteer campaign and fundraising and all sorts of stuff. And so that was all happening while I was at home and I was Every day there'd be people showing up to build or knock down. Or, Is that right? Oh, yeah. So it was an incredible time. And, and and then part of the frustration of it or part of the, the wondering that I had was what happens if we get halfway through this rebuilding program and she dies? Mm. Which and, was a very real possibility. Absolutely. Mm. And mm. You know, we, were, we were at death's door so many mm. times over that period. But so many people were so willing to play a part. They were. Uh, yeah, but it worried me that... that, yeah. that you know, what if we get it finished and she mm-hmm. doesn't come home? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I, I spoke to Chris about that one day and she said, look, Steve, it's, it's not, that's not the issue. No one minds. And I, don't, mm-hmm. I guess they didn't, but it still weighs on you. But, but the house was ready for a whole year before Sal was able to come home. And so I was living mm-hmm. in this hospital, you know. Yeah. Huh. But mm-hmm. the process of getting her home was extensive because we had to get her well enough, but then we also had to have the funding. And NDIS is federal funding. She needed health care mm. and that's state yeah. funding. And so yeah. there was some real complexities there. Yeah. But eventually, we did it. And also, the local paramedics needed to be trained on how to um, care for her. Is that right? Yeah, well, we need to probably go back a few steps. But um, the hospital wanted to know that she was safe and, you know, do they have mm-hmm. paramedics down there? And we have a very close family friend who is a paramedic. He's a paramedic. Mm. So I had a conversation with him and said, you know, if we bring Sally back into the community, what can you guys provide for us? So he took that to his bosses and um, they came up with a plan and then they met with the doctors and the social worker and myself and Sandy and we had a roundtable of how we would manage this. So this was all being done while Sally was still quite unwell. Mm. Um, but we were we were just sowing lots of little seeds mm-hmm. of, of being able to get her home. But mm-hmm. as Steve said, it was at that stage the NDIS was only funding disability Mm. So that's where we had to bring the um, the health department into it and we were able to negotiate that they would pay for the nurses mm. and the NDIS would pay for the carers. So Sally was set up with one nurse and one carer 24-7. Oh, wow. So we broke that up into three shifts per day. Mm. Um, so we got everything lined up and 
we managed to pull it all off. Mm. So the paramedics came and picked her up and brought her home on the 5th of February. Sally was incredibly... What year was 2020. 2020. 2020? Um, Sally was incredibly nervous to the build-up, but I've got to say, when we brought her into that room, because she'd never seen it. Mm -hmm. Um, She'd only seen pictures. She could only imagine, really, what this was like. And when we brought her into the room, it was like she felt so at home. Mm. Uh, we had wonderful support from Ambulance Victoria. And uh, so uh, we were fighting battles on a number of fronts because mm. there was the illness aspect of it. Mm. And then there was convincing authorities that we could actually do this at home. Mm. And apparently mm. it had never really been tried before. Mm. But then we had the problem of funding and federal versus state mm. disability and medical. Mm. God's was hand was in it the whole way, mm. you know. Mm. I don't yeah. think there was any time that we ever doubted that. And mm. I think the strength that I got daily, if I didn't have a faith, mm. I just don't think you could do, you know, keep pushing through every mm-hmm. day mm. because, you know, there was people praying for us, um, people supplying food for Steve. Mm. It was amazing. There was just so many people. Mm-hmm. I'm not kind of that, cook, but um, for two and a half years I didn't cook a meal. I was looked after right? yep, the wow. whole time. Mm. Yeah, just people inviting me out or making food for me to take home. But the other side of it was Sally's faith too, and this really mm. did make mm. life much easier for us because she never once complained. One day not long after she was diagnosed in 2013, she said, what's God trying to teach me? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I didn't have an answer straight off the top of my head, and I didn't want to give her a silly answer or a, or a shallow answer. And so I, I, I mused on it. And so I was thinking over the course of the next week, and then Second Corinthians one came to my mind, where Paul says, um, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in our afflictions." Uh, so that we can comfort others with the same measure of comfort we ourselves have been comforted with. And and so he says, if we're afflicted, it's for your comfort. And so I said to Sal, is it possible that God's trying to teach other people through you? And she said, yes. And I said, is that okay? And she said, yes. I said, and that's how we're going to deal with it. And so my prayer was, and our prayer was that, that God would use this situation to reveal his glory and to lead people to Christ. And um, you know, there was a not, I, at a very early stage of you know, the illness before we knew what was happening. I just decided that I would finish every day with Sal, mm. and so we went in. I would read, uh, we'd read a story. I'd read the Bible, and then we'd pray. And uh, one night we were reading Isaiah thirty-five, and it's a beautiful prophecy of you know the, the eternal kingdom. And it says the eye, amongst other things, it says the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, and the lame will leap like a deer. And this is at a stage where she couldn't walk. And I said, what do you think of that? She said, I can't wait. Mm. And uh, we had another extraordinary experience because one of the books we read was The God I Love by Johnny Erickson Tata, Mm. who, of course, has spent a lot of her life in a wheelchair. Mm. And it was such a beautiful experience reading that with Sal. So we... I said, we should write to Johnny. And so we did. We wrote mm-hmm. her a letter and mm-hmm. she replied personally. Mm-hmm. And so then when she went to the Royal Melbourne and things were really bad, I wrote to Johnny again and she mm-hmm. wrote again personally. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was that was lovely. Mm-hmm. She's a real gem. Yeah. <laughs> Erickson Tata. Mm-hmm. So here you are, a pastor in ministry, mm-hmm. and this is happening. How is it impacting your theology? Yeah, um, look... As I said before, I went to Ridley College and I, I found that very valuable. Uh, and mm. one of the best classes I took was with Lindsay Wilson uh, on wisdom literature. Mm. And so I'd 
spent time thinking about Job and Ecclesiastes and the book of Proverbs. Mm. But my theory is you've got to put down your roots in good times. Mm. And so you, you learn about God, you learn about the Lord Jesus, you, you learn to depend on him when things are good. Mm. So in Second Corinthians 1, Paul says, you know, you know what happened to us in Asia, how we despaired even of life itself. And he said, but these things happened that we should learn to rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. So I said to Sal one day, I'd been reading Romans, and in Romans 12 it says, be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer. They're all commands. And so mm. I said, we've got no choice. We've got to be joyful. We've got to be faithful. Mm. We've got to persevere in prayer. So she agreed, so that's how we handled it. That's how we took it. And God doesn't make mistakes, so there's no point getting angry with him. Mm. Uh, things happen because we're in a fallen world, but God gives you the strength. And mm. so I, I met a lady one day, and she was telling me about how her granddaughter was in hospital. And I said, well, I can relate to it. I know about children in hospital. And she said, life sucks, doesn't it? And I said, no, it doesn't. Uh, I, be- I really do believe God gave me these words. I said, no, it doesn't. I said, life's good. It's just hard. Mm. But I said, what you need to do is you've got to face up to the challenges each day brings and do it with the strength God gives. And both Jenny and I would say that we were given strength. And we knew lots of people were praying uh, but we were strengthened, mm-hmm. and it wasn't easy, and you wouldn't choose it, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of joy along the way, and mm-hmm. and Sal was instrumental in that because she didn't complain, and she did ask, what's God trying to teach me? Uh, but, you know, I said to her another day um, in John 6, uh, lots of the disciples left Jesus, and so he turns to the 12 and says, do you, do you want to leave as well? And Peter says, where else can we go? Mm-hmm. Because you have the words of eternal life. I said, Sal, if we quit on Jesus, we've got nothing. Mm. We've got nowhere to go except mm. ourselves. And I said, I don't feel that strong. So we just, mm. you know, we, we, we hung on. Mm. and Or he held on to us, actually. Mm. That's how it works. Mm. He held on to us. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Steve and Jenny Messer, who are sharing their life journey with us, and specifically today, they're sharing about their daughter Sal's long-term illness. In 2013, a CAT scan revealed that Sal had a progressive degenerative neuromuscular condition. Sadly, her condition deteriorated until she was unable to walk or even sit up, And then eventually she contracted a serious and incurable lung infection in 2017. Meanwhile, as we just heard, a community fundraising project was established, enabling modifications to the Messrs' home so they could care for Sal there. We'll hear more of Sal's story when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, once again, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Steve and Jenny Messer, who are sharing their life journey, and specifically, they're sharing about their daughter Sal's long-term illness. As we heard before the break, Sal's condition was gradually deteriorating, and in 2017, a tracheostomy was performed, 
From that day, Sal never spoke again and became dependent on a ventilator for breathing. But, as we'll hear, as a strong believer, Sal was still ministering to the medical team that were at her home on a regular basis. Sal ran, ran her own little ministry in that, that time. Right? She did. She um, she was, she set an example every day. But apart from that, her love for card making. She had five sponsor children from Fiji. Mm-hmm. That you know, Sal had decided. Well, you know, she can't have children, so I'll sponsor these children. Mm-hmm. So they became her children. Mm-hmm. And she, with her card making, she would sell her cards to be able to sponsor her children. Mm. And um, so the staff would come in and see her cards and would ask if they, she would make one for them. So despite all her medical yes, challenges... Yes, she had one she functioning arm. She still was doing crafts. One, yes, one functioning arm. You know, her room was full of stuff. You couldn't do it now. With COVID, mm. everything became, you know... Yeah. We, we had um, photos all mm. over the wall. She had her craft work. She had all kinds of things. So we did have carers still coming in, mm-hmm. and or I would be sitting with her making cards. She she was incredible. She Designing cards was just such a gift. Mm. So she got very friendly with all the staff, whether they were cleaners or food or whatever, and she treated each one equally, mm. and they all loved her. And um, she would, she was a gift giver too. So she would give them something um, at Christmas or Easter mm. and things like that. But they would come in. So um, one of the cleaners came in one day and said, "Oh, can you please make a card for my three-year-old mm. nephew?" Mm. So Cell would type out, you know, what interests do they have? What mm. do they like? So she would actually make the card to suit the child, whether it be fairies or well, I'm just um, thinking, football or, or yeah. whatever. She you know, she was she was incredible. But one yeah, other But I was just gonna say she could have had a pity party. Like, hey, I yeah, was she, no, I was having a nice life, twenty one yeah, years old, no, playing hockey and all that yeah. and then all this happened. Mm. She, but yet she's choosing to bless others. Oh, really. yeah, exactly. And that came out in her funeral actually. Mm. People would come and visit Sally to you know, have a chat and mm. cheer her up. Mm. But they were the ones that walked away with the blessing mm. and they and they said that, you mm. know. They came in and they felt as though they'd been blessed as they walked out the door. Mm. But she kept these cards going out on a regular basis. Mm. She was incredible. But Sal and I decided... Cards, anniversary cards, but wedding, yeah, she did them all. So mm. the, the, yeah. all the staff came, doctors, yeah. nurses, everybody came mm. and got wow. Sal to make cards. And oh. she would make yeah, cards for the doctors too. But one thing Sal and I decided to do very early on was create a memory every day. Mm. So whether that would be the card she just made or um, having a meal together or whatever. She started it was building Lego as well. And she Lego. Only had oh. Thumb and forefinger. Mm. But the girls would hold things down and Sal would do it. Mm. Lego was huge. Yeah. We've got so much Lego. But <laughs> through creating a memory a day we have so many memories mm. and so many things we can look back on and either laugh or cry or mm. whatever. But I think that was one of the best things that – one of the best mm. things. There was many. Mm. But that was one of the things that is just so helpful now mm. in grief. Mm. Now, you mentioned funeral. Yes. One of the hardest things I've ever done. Mm. But it was very joyful. And it was a witness. So how did her life come to an end? Um, she had a catastrophic 
bleed but in the brain, Hmm. which we feel God really protected us in because if she'd had a catastrophic bleed from her tracheostomy, that would have been horrific for most people to witness. We were told that that was likely. So when she started having these bleeds, we were told that that was likely how she was going to die. And we just didn't know when it would be. So any time she had a bleed, and they could happen every day for months, mm. and you'd never know—is this the one? You know. So, so that week it was December. It was June the sixteenth of twenty twenty-two, and it was just after the Queen's birthday weekend. And uh, I'd been to the football with our sons. That was a bit of a family tradition. And I came home, and they'd had a an afternoon tea to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, which Sal had catered for, and you know <laughs> they had a lovely little time. But at 3 a.m. on the Tuesday morning, she had the first bleed in several months. Mm. So everything had been good. It was blue sky. But she had this bleed and seizure and it was, it was bad. And that was the beginning of a run for about three days. And then on the Thursday, uh, she had, well, you know, Jen, well, Jenny, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, just to add to that before that, she was the events queen. So she would always, hmm. you know, have events. And whether it be a birthday, Easter... Australia Day, she had the staff running. Hmm. Um, she had amazing staff, I guess. We Sounds like she was making the most out of her situation. Oh, absolutely. Yes, every day. Every day was a blessing. Mm. Yeah, every mm. day was a blessing. Um, so, yeah, that morning was just a typical morning. Got up in the morning and um, I came down like I usually did every morning, gave her a kiss and um, said, I'll oh, just quickly go and get a coffee and have a shower and I'll be back. So I did, came back, and um, it was time to give her a suction. So we started suctioning, and she did bleed. And she just looked up at me, and her eyes were really wide. And I said, um, oh, you, you'll feel much better after this, because I got a bit of a clot out. And I mm. um, said, you'll feel much better after that. And her head just went to the side, and she came unconscious. Mm. And at that point, I knew that she'd gone. Mm. Um she was still breathing, obviously, mm. aided by the ventilator. Um, but we'd called the paramedics. They came in. They they did as much as they could. And we just had lots of people come in and out during the day to say goodbye to Cell because mm. she had so many friends that we just felt we had to share that with others. Mm. Um, so we phoned around a few people and said, would you like to come and mm-hmm. say goodbye to Cell? which they did, and I guess we felt that was a comfort too. I was actually at work. I, I, I work from home most of the time, but I meet on a Thursday morning with my offsider at Warrigal Prezi, Ray Patchett, and uh, so I just sat down to meet with him. It was 8 a.m., and the phone rang at about two minutes past eight, and it was Jenny. She said, come home now, and I knew it was bad. Mm. So I got home, and um, and she never regained consciousness mm. after that. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty hard day. Um, we knew it would come, but you never you never prepared for it. You mm-hmm. could never be prepared yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, saying goodbye to a child is one of the hardest things on earth, I, I think. Um, the other side of it was that Sal was always positive and looking ahead, so she was making plans. So we she, were going to the snow on she Monday. She made plans to go to the snow on the Monday mm-hmm. afterwards, and so... There was always something to look mm. forward to, and I guess that's a lesson that death. When it, you know, the Apostle Paul says death is an enemy, and whenever it comes, death is an interruption. And since none of us knows, we we need to be reconciled to God through Christ. Uh, that's the only safe way to approach any day. 
and and that's it's a great reassurance. I would be inconsolable if I didn't think Sal had died in faith, um, but she did, and and uh, and and you know she she never evidenced even a even a slight bit of doubt. She none of us enjoyed it, but we you know she pressed on, mm. and there was a lot of joy. Uh, one of one of the great unspokens was that when Sal died. All the staff were out of jobs, mm. and um, we beca- we really loved the staff that came in. I mean, th- we actually had three agencies over the time, so getting staff was was a hard thing at times. Mm. But we really, we really got to a. We were in the swing of it. We'd come on with an agency, I Care Nursing, who I still work with now, mm. and um, Cell was very close to a lot of them, and. It was it was very difficult saying goodbye mm. to the staff because yeah. that was part of it. But a little project Cell had on at the time was that she was building this Lego map, world map, that she bought for Steve and she was going to give it to him for Father's Day. So because it hadn't been completed, every time Steve walked in the room and Cell was working on it, she'd say to the staff, quick, put it away. You know, she'd go like mm. this and <laughs> put it away. Steve's coming. And... Um, so the staff came in probably a week later. We had a get-together and they all came in and they completed the project for oh, Sal wow. because we were like family. Mm. And, um, yeah, on the day that Sal died, as Jenny said, we invited lots of people around. So most of the staff came in and I was sitting holding Sal's hand and the girls came in and, and just said goodbye in ones and twos and they were all of them sobbing. It was extraordinary. Mm. And I thought, wow, this is a lot more than just a job mm. to these people. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it she was. had a, few, a huge effect on, yeah. on a lot mm. of people mm. in, in such a positive way. Mm. Um, and they did things that they probably would never have done. Mm. Um, so the whole project really was, you know, we had to push, 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 push. We got there. No one has ever done what we've done before. Mm. And I guess what the legacy we want to leave in all this is that we want people to be able to realise that, you can do it. Mm. You know, don't don't be told by um, people that you can't do it because mm. you can. And Steve and I just, I've helped people with getting their NDIS um, plans mm. through, mm. Um, help them get into, you know, getting care. Because I just honestly believe that if just don't give up. Mm. If you want your loved one to come home, then there is a way. You asked before what it's like, you know, from a pastoral perspective. It occurred to me one day reading Romans chapter 8, um, Paul says there, uh, will not he who uh, who's given his son freely with him give us everything? And I thought if God did nothing more for us than give us his son, the Lord Jesus, to pay for our sins, that would be enough. Mm-hmm. But he's given us so much more and he helped us every day. Mm-hmm. Steve and Jenny? Thank you so much for sharing both your stories and then also your daughter Sal's story as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time, Eric. Thanks for having us. Well, that was the conclusion of our three-part series with Steve and Jenny Messer sharing their story and specifically today they shared about their daughter Sal's long-term illness. Sadly, as we heard, Sal passed away on the 16th of June, 2022. 
But we also heard how Sal had a profound impact on many people's lives. Even as her body was physically deteriorating, her faith was strong until the end. Well, if you'd like to learn more about how the Messers community rallied together to make extensive modifications to their home so that Sal could live her remaining years there, there's a video on YouTube that features all of the people who were involved in making it happen. It's called Homecoming, Sally Messers' Story. And it features everyone from medical staff to construction workers who essentially added a hospital room to their home. Once again, the video was called Homecoming, Sally Messers' Story, and you can find it on YouTube. Finally, we'll end with the wise words that Steve Messer shared with a lady who said that life sucks, doesn't it? He replied, no, it doesn't. Life's good. It's just hard. And we need to face up to the challenges that each day brings and do it with the strength that God gives. Profound words for all of us. Well, thanks for joining us for Steve and Jenny's story and their daughter, Sal's. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.